Welcome back to Balancing Chaos with Kelly and Gretchen. And we are back after a couple weeks of vacation between work travel and regular vacation travel. So we are back to talk about some of the things that we have read this summer. So first of all, I have one update. And I did get the Vitamix. (laughs) And I kept the Vitamix. And I've been getting Vitamix videos. I send Vitamix videos. And I have used it every single day since I opened it. It arrived when I was in Colorado. So I was using my sister's. And after using hers, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm into this. And so um, I have, what did I make? I've made pesto. I've made a vegan queso. I've made a million smoothies. And their girls are drinking the smoothies, even the ones with green stuff in them, because it's just, it annihilates whatever you put in there. It's actually pretty intense. It's pretty cool. So we're going to have a smoothie off. I can't wait. So Gretchen sent me a text the other day and asked me what other foods I spiral besides zucchini. (laughs) So I said, oh, typically just zucchini and sweet potato. But my spiraler has a couple other attachments you could do shredding or chips and and I told her some ways that I use those and she said oh I don't have a fancy one because I just didn't want to spend that much on a kitchen gadget so I went for the $10 version and I didn't pick up on it at first and then I put my phone down I picked it back up I said oh you are going to tell me that you're not going to spend that much on a kitchen gadget when you just bought like a $500 blender? $300. Thank you very much. But I but what is what was the original price of that? I know that's originally what it's like 500. you did get a pretty good deal. So it was a, it was a very good deal and so the model that I got for anyone who's listening is the it'll play it up on a favorite things list later. It's not going to be my one today, but it's the A2300 the ascent and it doesn't come with programs on it like my sister's is a different model and hers has programs and mine doesn't have programs but there's an app like a bluetooth app and if you open up the vitamix app it recognizes that your blender's in the room and it will oh my gosh. and you just hit okay i want to do smoothie and you hit smoothie on the app and it sets the timer on the blender and just does it automatically wow so i used that for a few times but then i also kind of figured out what the pattern was like 10 seconds on low, 30 seconds on high, and then back it back it down again. But so but for it's sort of interesting. You can set that if you wanted to be able to walk away from it. So they have mm-hmm. models that are more expensive that have programs, but I would say it's all the same engine. Like the the motor is the same and everything. So if you were looking, don't spend the money on the programs, just get the app. Oh my gosh. And my brother's girlfriend yesterday, we were at, at my camp and she was telling me that they were making more smoothies and she said oh my gosh I got a ninja it's amazing and I burst out laughing because I have a ninja too (laughs) but I just all I could imagine is her telling Gretchen that her ninja was amazing and then getting all the Vitamix propaganda (laughs) I'm sure a ninja is just fine but it the the thing that I am sold on the Vitamix is the number of people who are like oh yeah I've had my Vitamix since 1994 I've had it since you know, for 20 years and that it still does exactly what it did on the first day. Yeah. James had, when we bought ours, he was working at Whole Foods and they sell them there, or at least they did at the Newton store that he was working at. And people bought them all the time. And he he said, yeah, I wanted one, but they were so expensive. I w- Well, after we recorded last time, we went to James and I said, James, <laughs> I got a, what's, what would be a great deal on a Vitamix? And he was like, whoa. He's like, I don't know, like $600. And I was like, no, 300 There we go. So obviously it was an especially great deal. On yeah, the- back then they were, I think, 
eight hundred thousand dollars at Whole Foods and people in Newton. I mean, Newton's an affluent community, yeah. but he said they just they'd have them on the end caps and people would just pick them up and put them on at the end of their grocery yeah. bill. I'm not an end capper. No, but. So we're going to talk about some of the things that we've read this summer as our summer is drawing to a close. And there's this great graphic. Did you see it? The Humane Rising Tide Center posted this image and it shows oh, a yeah, dam. Oh yeah, I did see that. I did. And it's like, it's always like teachers and August and the and August is the dam and like everything is backed up and all the things we have to do. I know I have a ton of stuff I have to do to get ready for my semester. Yeah. Um, but it, it, I, I've been doing a lot of reading anyway. So I want to talk about all the reading before we get it before I have to get into my academic sort of reading for the fall. But we are going to share some of the things that we've read this summer that have grabbed us for whatever reason. So do you want to start with yours? So I'll just say first, Gretchen said, oh, let's do our summer reading list. And I do want to (laughs) clarify for everyone who doesn't know, but Gretchen's children are... Older, 12 and and, Yeah, eight and mine are four and six. I did not read as much when they were four and six. I laughed out loud when she said she wanted to do this because I have uh, taken the summer off to uh, be with the kids and I have had zero time to do anything basically. And I, I almost panicked when she said that. I said, oh my gosh, I really haven't, I haven't read anything, which I have read a couple things. I had to process a little bit, yeah. but it was funny. So I read this pleasure book. Uh, I started it when I was in Jamaica. That's probably how I actually got through it because I read probably half in Jamaica. I finished another book while I was there and started this one. And it's Saints for All Occasions. It was on the 2018 summer reading list. Mm -hmm. And it's a really good book about reproductive justice. And it's about this woman who basically she gets pregnant as a teenager and they send her off to a convent and take her baby. and, And it just chronicles the life of her the child and uh, the person who adopts the baby and the ending and it's kind of actually depressing I think maybe because I was thinking about it from a systematic perspective of how messed up it is (laughs) and how this definitely happens all the time Um, but anyway it was a really it's really eye-opening and I recommend it if uh, people have thoughts like oh well you know adoption's not the end of like if we force people to adopt instead of getting an abortion it's not there's no consequence right because it it was a really that wasn't the intention of the book at all the it's a fiction book but that's what I was thinking about like there are other um things to think about with forced adoption because the woman didn't want to give her baby up for adoption but it was a really interesting book saints for all occasions something to consider with our current Supreme Court nominee who is was pulled from a list of people that had vowed that they would overturn Roe v. Wade, which could have devastating consequences for reproductive justice in this country. Mm-hmm. So my little political PSA is going to jump in here. If you live in Maine or Alaska <laughs> or, or anywhere, call your senators and say that you don't support this because I have I can't I know countless people who's who have made the choice to have an abortion for a multitude of reasons. Mm-hmm. And it's not the 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 narrative is always somebody was a slut and was stupid and messed up. And there and I can't think of anyone where I would say that, that was the case. There I've known people who've had to who've chosen to abort because the prognosis for their fetus was not compatible with life 
and put their health in danger to carry to term. I've known people who it was just the wrong time for the rest of their family, like, you know, birth control failures, did everything right, but something still happened. So it's really important that we keep body autonomy for women Mm. as we go forward. I think the stat is one in three women will have had an abortion by the age of 50. So it's a lot more common than people and people and people don't talk about it because of because of stigma and because of whatever. But when you hear someone, you know, like there might be somebody who says, oh, I had a miscarriage and maybe in, you know, maybe that's just what they're saying. But like uh, it was like a lot more complicated than that. But it's easier just to say the fetus did not survive, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, it's just one of those things that it happens to more people than you probably even know yourself. And, And I can think of all the people I do know that have experienced it and I know I'm sure that there's probably another twice that that I don't know about because I am not close enough in their social circle to have to know or to need to know or that they would want me to know so please call your senators yeah I is a good resource for that I wish we didn't have to have abortion I mean but there's it's not realistic exactly I mean and we have all these other barriers to contraception of course, there's contraception failure. We have a significant access issue to contraception. I mean, even IUDs, if you want to get an IUD, which I vote IUDs for all. Yeah. <laughs> for so many reasons. So that's a whole yeah. separate podcast. But you have to say you want one. Then they have to spe- send special forms to your insurance. There's a lag. You mm-hmm. can't just walk in and get one that day. Right. You can, it's not like walk-in care IUD. Right. And that right there creates significant barriers even if you go in for an abortion in the state of Maine and you want to get an IUD inserted while you're in there you can't get the IUD on the same day mm-hmm. as the abortion because Maine care and a lot of other insurances don't pay for abortion so any service linked to the abortion wouldn't be billable it's this mess so again I I think just in general women's health access we should all well the and the, the choice the, the line is abortion should be safe, legal, and rare. Exactly. exactly. And the way to make it rare is to make sure yeah. that we are providing good health care for women of all income levels, of mm-hmm. all everything, that they can get an IUD, that they can do whatever. And, you know, I they don't cover, um, the Affordable Care Act covers birth control for women now, but they don't cover vasectomies. And I kind of would be like, you know what, throw vasectomies on that list. Mm-hmm. That we'd like some permanent birth control because it's not just about... A woman's body, it's mm-hmm. you can't conceive without a man. Mm-hmm. So or their vasectomies or on their, the list or their parts. Sperm. Yeah, yes. <laughs> so throw a vasectomy on the list, you know. And in this book too, the woman who was who got pregnant, she didn't even she was never even taught that sex resulted in pregnancy, so, and that happens too. You know, sometimes when you're oh. really super religious. Um, or just other uneducated parts of the teach, world. They, they don't, don't. You don't. Not everyone knows that. She was a teenager, and and the guy apparently was married. So it's really interesting. It's an inter- you know, it's get yourself into someone else's situation. Well, and that's what fiction is supposed to do. It's supposed to, you know, it doesn't have to be a true story to have you think about. Well, this could definitely happen. Or oh this yeah, could, this this definitely has happened thousands of times. This exact story. Right. You know. So I one that I read that is not fiction that I loved and kept sending Kelly screenshots of. Oh, so yeah. she basically read it. <laughs> this is what I do to James. I read the books and then I tell him about it. Yeah. Is was How to Raise an Adult by Julie Lithcott Hames. And it's one that's been on my list forever. And it 
I've read a ton of because I've read a ton of her articles. She excerpts from her books. Her book have been published in various places. And Julie Lithcott Hames is a was the dean of freshman students at Stanford and started to notice that kids were coming to Stanford, which is an Ivy League school, mm-hmm. like really unprepared for adulthood and how to be independent and how to manage your stuff. And this is like a big thing for me is that I'm constantly banging the drum on making sure that my kids grow up to be independent and do all those things. The um, Partly because we work in higher ed, so I think that we see it. And partly just because I think that it's important to make sure that my girls especially are able to take care of themselves because we are obviously a pretty feminist household and are not saying well don't worry about learning how to do that because you'll just have a man do that for you later like no you need to learn how to do all this stuff so she had there were some great um great examples of things that they should be able to do and she had like she has like chore charts and things like that not charts but you know if your kid is six to seven they can do this this and this and so that was really useful the one that I actually found my that I felt that um I felt like we're on a right track path except for laundry and I'm like I think that we still just do the all the laundry just because it's easier to just get it to get it all done and we just do big loads like I think we did three loads yesterday and so I was like, that's one that we need to work on. But one of the pieces that I thought was really cool was um, that it's important not to center your life on your kids, which mm-hmm. I firmly believe in, which doesn't mean that you neglect your children, mm-hmm. but that your kids are not the focus of every single thing you do. And one of the ones that I sent to my friends and I was trying to find the screenshot, but it was, you know, it's important to model that you have friendships too and that you have outside needs and one was you know if you're sitting on the porch with a friend and having a drink of your choice while the kids play on their own that's modeling how to have an adult friendship and I was like I am really good at that (laughs) (laughs) so I was like so so even so I, I would recommend it to anybody who has kids especially as they're heading into the middle school years because it really does give some insight and especially for people who grew up with more independence like I think you and I did mm-hmm. looking at how kids are a lot less are a lot less independent these days because they're being driven from activity to activity and they're shuttled around and they don't have much free um, free play and they don't have much free agency on what they're going to do and when they're going to do it just because of the necessity of schedules and all of that it was a really good book with some really good practical it wasn't just sort of like you're doing it wrong you suck it was here's some ways to make sure that you get them ready to be 18 so one of the things that it said was and I found one screenshot and it was like things that an 18 year old must be able to do and so one of them was that they must an 18 year old must be able to talk to strangers uh, faculty, deans, advisors, landlords, store clerks, HR managers, co-workers, bank tellers, healthcare providers, bus drivers, mechanics in the real world. And so what she says is that we teach kids to not talk to strangers when you have to learn how to talk to strangers. And so that's why I have sent Ingrid to the store, into the store with money. I'll pick something up. Like you need to learn how to have these social interactions. You're not going to have me by your side the whole time. And that also comes up in the book, um, Protecting the Gift, which is one of my another one of my favorites about sending kids out there and how to basically you scaffold them up, which isn't that's education term right there. Scaffold them up to be able to talk to strangers by 
setting up the scenario. You're going to go in, here's some money, pick out some desserts, pay for it, bring me the change. But that involves an interaction with someone who is a stranger, air quotes. Um, so I think that that's a really good skill. And it has other things like uh, must be able to find your way around a campus and find your way around and know how to get from point A to point B. And I was I was thinking, I wonder if our kids will ever use paper maps or need to know or understand what a map means versus just going to like Apple Maps and saying directions to mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. I doubt it. Yeah. It's so funny when I a lot of I read a lot of books. I've already said this before nonfiction books that Shira has dubbed my self-help books <laughs> but a lot of times when I read them I think oh funny this is a book and this stranger thing it comes up in a lot of books mm-hmm. but it, I think it's really interesting because I've just never had a fear of talking to strangers <laughs> and I and I don't and I I really have never <clears throat> raised my kids I don't know if I've ever even said don't talk to strangers which for you you know Cameron he's yeah not afraid to talk to anybody but like Maxwell at the beach club I gave him I give him money and I just say oh go get you know all yeah. popsicle or whatever you want but the other day we were at the park and I Maxwell really wanted to go home it was hot but Cameron was having such a fun time he didn't want to leave but I was there by myself and so he goes over to this kid in his class one of his kids in his class was there with his dad but I never met the guy I didn't know him at all and James uh, Cameron said oh mommy it's fine you can bring Maxwell home and um I'll just stay here with his dad (laughs) was his dad like uh (laughs) yeah and then it created this really uncomfortable moment for me because I didn't want to offend the dad but I wasn't going to leave him there with him either I had I didn't know the guy right so then I found it took me forever to get out of the situation without hopefully offending anybody. So then when we got home, I said to Cameron, you know, I am the one who decides who you stay with. So I need to offer it. It can't yeah. be your suggestion because, you know, there are a lot of factors we need to think about. But then I thought, gosh, I really haven't done a good job giving him an awareness that not everyone may be safe. I, this, I'm sure this guy was totally fine, but... I didn't have any idea who he was. You know, I wasn't right. just going to leave my kid with him. So so I think if anything, I've gone the wrong way, the other way. Because I was never afraid of it. I I had very little. My mother was not on top of things. <laughs> which I don't. I actually don't um, have any negative concerns about that. Because I think it helped me to be much more independent. Well, and one of the things that's, I mean, the things that you kind of, they do say to teach is that, you know, um, adults never need help from a kid. And that's one. So if a grown up says, oh, can you help me find my dog? Adults don't need help from kids. Adults, when they need someone to help them, they should ask another adult. Yeah. So adults never need help from kids. And then uh, another one is watching out for tricky adults. If you feel like they're being just a little strange and are they being tricky with their um comments and things those are things to watch out and then and then also just um also 
you should never have to keep a secret for an adult, which is, and that most abuse happens with mm-hmm. people that the child knows and not the stranger at the park, that kind of thing. The, the stranger at the park scenario is more likely the, oh, can you help me find my dog or can you help me do this? Adults don't need to ask kids for help. Yeah. So that's, that's a good one. Yeah. Kids might need to ask adults for help, but adults never ask kids for help. They would ask another adult for help. So mm-hmm. that's one of the things that you can teach them as sort of without it being scary, but like if a grown up ever asks you for help, of course, they're going to be like, can you help me put the dishes away? Be like, no, adults never need help. <laughs> yeah, they'll find a way to twist it. <laughs> You're going to try to put me in the car and take me somewhere cool. <laughs> oh so that's that's another one. The other one I read was an article. So I read also the other books that I read that I um, really liked were When Breath Becomes Air, which is about a doctor, a neurosurgeon, actually also from Stanford, who was diagnosed with... Uh, I think it was colon cancer. It spread to his brain or something. But he was diagnosed with cancer and died. And it was this whole experience of being a patient and a physician. And it was just a really, it wasn't a very long read, but it was really interesting. And to see how, to see how a medical professional handled a terminal diagnosis. Mm. So I thought that was an interesting one as well. Um, And then the, article that I read is called when will it be times up for motherhood and marriage and so I thought this was an amazing little article did you read this one I started reading it but it didn't I wasn't feeling the love for it the same way you were I guess it just didn't resonate with me I mean me Maybe I'm just not at the right age. This is what you said to me last time (laughs) something didn't resonate with me I wasn't old enough so it's by uh let me see it's by Kimberly Harrington. It was on Medium. And the one of the things, so there were two things. So one is there was a line that um, a lot of people really liked, which I didn't, didn't agree with. I'm looking for, it was talking about how women just, husbands use here, uh, where we are, this is about women. So uh, we are told to take the joke take the fall, take a lesser job, a lesser raise, a lesser role because of our children. But funny how those fathers just keep moving up and up and up using the labor of their wives as rungs. And a lot of people read that and really, like it really echoed with them. And I think that Kelly and I, for us Mm -hmm. and our own relationships, Mm -hmm. our careers have been prioritized. Oh my gosh, a million percent. To the point where I feel bad about it a lot. Yeah. I mean, my... My husband sacrificed his entire career for me. I, that's why a lot right. of times with these feminist um, articles, I just they never resonate with me because they just don't apply to my personal life at all. I just haven't experienced it. So it's not that I don't recognize that it happens to other people and I see it in some of my friends, but it just it's not me. So I don't feel as moved by it. Right. So that so that one I was like that clearly moved a lot of people when I shared it on Facebook. Didn't move me quite as much because of the similar things. But the other one that got me was because this woman is also the parent of a daughter who is 12. And it's the other line was experience tells me that my daughter at 12 years old, maybe in the final days of feeling like her body is her own, a body is that is uncomplicated and good and unproblematic body. And 
that my son, my white son at 14, will continue to enjoy the privilege of having a body that is wholly his. And if he is in pain, if he feels discomfort, no matter what he wears or where he works, he will be listened to and taken seriously. He will always be believed. And anything he does to ally with girls, with women, will always be seen as extra. Not a must-have, but a nice-to-have. And so I, having a 12-year-old girl, that re- that's the part that really jumped out at me, is that... And she, you know, she is very confident in her body right now and knowing how puberty can impact that in high school and all of those things. And the part about knowing that, oh, I feel pain like they women aren't listened to as much. And that's Mm -hmm. there's probably evidence for that Mm -hmm. (laughs) in the journals. Right. I think the problem now with that we deal with with men is that they often avoid health care. So then when they do come, it's a it's a crisis so I think men have their own set of issues with healthcare even though there's there especially with cardiovascular disease and women had different symptoms we didn't have the science but we do now I think we're doing better honestly with it well I made I made so with men seeking not seeing healthcare I basically made Dave find a PCP and get start getting annual physicals and he kind of rolls his eyes every year I'm like the reason why you do it now is so that they have data for if something does go wrong, mm-hmm. they can look back and say, wow, in 2018, your numbers were great. What happened in 2019 or whatever? And if something does go wrong, you have someone you can call and right. they will get you in. If you're trying to find a doctor when something's wrong, mm-hmm. that can be tricky. And you know where I, what made me do that was I listened to a podcast with Katie Couric talking about her husband getting diagnosed with colon cancer and he didn't have a doctor and it was and she was Katie freaking Couric on the Today Show at the time and because she was Katie Couric her doctor said fine I'll, I'll squeeze him into my schedule and saw him and he was diagnosed with colon cancer and he died like two years later mm-hmm. but I'm not Katie Couric mm-hmm. I don't have that kind of pull mm-hmm. so I was like you need to have your own doctor that you just go in check in yep everything's fine great but you have somebody on record as your doctor that if something is wrong you can call them and they can start Mm -hmm. the process so he has done that and that and then this year i'm also because of uh, deborah's experience we had in the podcast earlier this summer uh both of us have referrals in for a dermatology scan like a baseline screening of Let's see how everything is. And that was, I'm like, I want you to do that. And he's very good. He's like, okay, <laughs> I'll do okay, it. I'll do it. Yeah. He didn't complain. So. Nice. So I had to write notes for this one because Gretchen, I don't know, she'll have some comments. <laughs> so I read an interesting series of articles uh, this past week about cell phone radiation. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Where did you read it? You're welcome, Kate. It came through my EWG newsletter, but then I dug through all the. uh, I know. I know that you would look. Went back to it. So the state of California had been investigating the science on cell phone radiation. They put together a work panel for something like five years, and then it just dropped, and they didn't push any public notices out or change any put any warnings. They're they're big on warnings out in California. I think they have a warning on coffee even. They have a warning on, like, they have so many warnings that it's on, like, Christmas lights and stuff. Yeah. And it's something with the plastic or the, I don't but I ignore it. I'm like, yeah, you've slept a warning. Everything's going to kill us, whatever, California. Settle down. Yeah. Because they have it on everything. So, but I have 
without reading any of the science on cell phones, I have had a concern about it just because of precautionary principle. You know, the cell phones came out and then they blew up and now we are all using them. We're always on them. We use them for everything. They're always on our bodies. Mm-hmm. And we can't possibly know what the effect of that is. And I mean, we knew, we know, have quite a few studies now on the psychological impact mm-hmm. of social media and um, sleep disturbances and stuff like that. So, but anyway, this was kind of interesting. So the state of California was sued by Joel Moskowick, who's the director for Center for Family and Community Health at the School of Public Health at uh, Berkeley. So he sued them because they had put together this panel and they had a, like something like 270 studies etc but then they it just died they never put the notice out and I guess it turns out that they didn't want to create public um, chaos and concern (laughs) because the science has does have a lot of gaps because the cell phone technology has rapidly changed so much Mm -hmm. and a lot of the studies were done on 2g models and so now we're like what what's LTE and you know and then there's various different types of cell phones and blah, blah 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 but anyhow there is quite a bit of research that cell phone radiation does increase risk of cancer and pose a risk to human health. Um, scientists in the, this field who publish, there's been 230 who've signed petitions that the public needs more warnings about exposure to cell phone use and how to reduce exposure. And so then I saw that in 2015, actually, um, Connecticut published warnings through their Department of Health about reducing cell phone exposure. So... Basically, um, what they say is that (laughs) the most aggressive um, of the scientists says that we should keep our phones off as much as possible, which I thought was pretty funny because me, you can't, you obviously can't do that right now. Right. Um, And that you shouldn't use them on buses or in public areas because you're, if other people didn't want to be exposed, the um, radiation from the wireless signals is posing a risk to the person next to you. But like anyway, secondhand smoke. Yeah, exactly. But some more realistic ones are, you know, keeping the phone away from your body in your purse and using uh, your wireless headphones to talk or Bluetooth technology. So Bluetooth is okay. It's not, but it's better than direct ex- uh, contact with your phone. It's the all, a lot of the studies are done on brain cancer, which makes sense because we used to in the early days just talk on our cell phones. Right. But see, now texting has become the right common com- form of communication. So now the studies haven't looked at, you know, is it as much of a risk if you're holding it mm-hmm. in your hand, which is different than having it by your head. So that's why there's gaps. And that's why it's hard to put out a strong recommendation, but still just to be precautionary, limiting your exposure. So one of the recommendations is no, don't sleep with your phone in your room at night. Mm-hmm. I actually just started doing that recently. Because I had read about something about the radiation and affecting your sleep. Which I know is a little crazy, but I do. I don't sleep well, so I thought, oh, I'll try that. Do you have a landline? No, but I have. The thing is, we have it through our cable. We just don't have an actual phone. Like, we have a phone number mm-hmm. and everything. And we had just talked about getting one uh, for the kids. Mm-hmm. You know, some, you know, like if we wanted to do short walks, like up and down the block, like our neighbor yeah. does. Oh, if they had the phone, if they had, a, and we have a number, so we'd actually talked about that. And so I'm thinking about doing getting one for this too, because I could pl- keep my phone plugged in downstairs and just keep a phone in my bedroom. So, what would happen if there was uh, an emergency in your 
extended family in the middle of the night and they needed to call you, how would they reach you? Well, I was thinking if I had a landline, you can like forward your cell phone to a phone. So I could have that like set up at night maybe. But then the other thing too is like, what kind of emergency in the middle of the night if it didn't involve my kids would I really need to be awake for? I, you think I should? That's, I mean, that's... Because yeah. I keep my phone on silence anyway. I keep my I keep mine on silent except for my VIP numbers yep. so that if there is an well like we we've been about, over that <laughs> so that if my sister or my parents or somebody this may have been um, when Dave's mom was alive she was sick quite often and there I think there were some times where we had to be reached in the middle of the night so well we James went to the ER in the middle of the night a couple years ago. His oxygen was 70. He was blue. It was terrible. But anyhow, I called his mother was the first person I called because I had the little kids. I mean, the kids yeah. were very small at the time, too. And they were sleeping. I think it was 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. And she didn't answer. I didn't leave her a message. Um, but the 911 operator, she was trying to help me because she didn't want – when I called 911, she didn't – when I was waiting for them to come, she didn't want – the 911 um she didn't want me to get off the phone with her but she knew I needed help with the kids so she was calling her so she left her all these messages on her phone hello yeah this is 911 your son is oh my god yeah so when she woke up in the morning at like 7 a.m she had three 911 calls on her so so did you fight get someone to come I called my dad so I called I now that I'm thinking back on it I called 911 first and the 911 people helped me call people um, but she was trying to work on someone who was helping her call my mother-in-law while she was walking right. me through all the things to do. And once the 911, um, once the EMTs arrived at our house, I called my dad and I, and he answered in like the first ring cause he keeps the phone right by his bed and he's a light sleeper, which I knew he would. Right. But I knew she'd want to know. That's why I said, call her. So anyhow, I said, I, I said, James is going to the hospital by ambulance. I need you here right now and he's like okay so he got here so fast he lives in Orrington which is 20 minutes away but anyway that clued me into I probably should be not keep my phone on silence but I still haven't James keeps his but I don't know so my so my phone is on silent except for the VIP I do keep it in my room it charges on my nightstand it doesn't go under my pillow or anything like that so it's probably a couple feet from my head but it's there for the because of that emergency kind of thing so that so anyway i'm just telling what the recommendations are gretchen or if you had or you know what when i had to call the police when we had the break-ins happening i didn't want to go downstairs and get my phone i just did it i i like having a phone in the bedroom yeah at night we always had a landline phone in the bedroom yeah, I think I might put a landline in there. But I had been charging mine downstairs. But James is still in my room, which is kind of silly. Because obviously, if I think it's going <laughs> to affect me, his is going to affect me. Um, but it says, the other really interesting one is it says, don't buy the shields that claim that they block the radiation because they don't. And there's no scientific evidence to support that they do. And in fact, the worst, the most radiation is delivered through your phone when it's searching for a signal. So if you put one of those shields on, it has to work harder to search for the signal. So it's actually emitting more oh, wow. radiation. So California and um, Connecticut have both advised not to buy those shields because they're scams. Um, 
limit kids exposures because there's no science good science on the developing brain and that's really what they're most concerned about uh and there was i will say that one. ingrid does not ingrid's phone lives downstairs at night hers does not go into her room we have screen free bedrooms yeah i guess kids. that was that was all of them but of course then your eye watch i wonder if that's really good for you to wear all the time I'm not going to get rid of it right now. I mean, I was reading some of the summaries on the meta-analyses and stuff of these studies, and it looks like there's so much unknown. It's like, well, I'll just, I will try to be a little more careful about, like, I go to my camp and it's just constantly searching for a signal. I probably should just shut my phone off when I'm up there because I really don't get good signal. We do that when we go to Grand Lake. We actually just put it on, we will turn off the cell and put it on Wi-Fi mode for so people can still text us yeah. and stuff because it hunts up there too. Yeah. So they and say it drains the hunting your battery is the, yeah. so quickly when it's hunting all the time. So they say the hunting is the worst for Interesting. you. Yeah. The hunting emits a lot of the um, waves that are dangerous. There was an article that uh, was in the, uh, I think it's in the Boston Globe about these, how the federal air marshals are now spying on people who aren't even like, at risk on the no fly list or risky travelers or anything and they call it quiet skies and they had this list of behaviors that they're watching for and one of them was people who move through airports and are constantly changing direction and changing which way they go and I read this after I got back from Colorado and I was dying because I had a four hour layover at O'Hare and <laughs> I was so bored so I played Pokemon Go <laughs> And so I was walking. You probably looked so. I thought, so I'm like this. I'm like maybe like look at their phones and make sure they're not just like hitting pokey stops yeah. as they go. Because I'd like walk up to one end and I'd hit them all, and I would wait at the end, and then then I'd wait till they all turn blue, and then I'd walk back to the other end and hit them all. Like I was just like I got in a bunch of steps. I had a, a forever to kill, you know. So I figured that's what I would do is walk around. So I was going to be sitting on another plane in a couple hours, but I was like, okay. So for that metric make sure they're just not playing pokemon go well sometimes in the in if i'm texting about news or something i even get paranoid if i text back like when there were the mass like the mass shooting was the big top topic you know mm-hmm. we're talking about it in a text i'm like oh my gosh someone's watching me they're gonna see <laughs> i just texted ar-15 <laughs> <laughs> which is probably ridiculous i'm sure there are algorithms if they're spying on us, I'm sure there are way more sophisticated algorithms than... If they're spying on us, they're so bored. Oh, my gosh. Or, they, or highly entertained. Oh, that. Like, probably very entertained. Like, exactly. people are crazy. But there are people sending, like, nudes to each other, so... Yeah. You know, sexting is a huge thing, which we're totally not into, so... <laughs> <laughs> I bet there are more entertaining people to follow. Well, it's not... See, at, at, in our season of life, it's not sexting is, does this rash look contagious that I found <laughs> on my kid, or is this bruise a concern, or... Do you think this would need stitches? Like, I can't think of the... There's been so many, like, child wound pictures that get sent. Like, what do you think about this? Yeah. Yeah. Like, ooh. So, we're going to move on to favorite things. Yes. Let's. So, do you want to go first, Kelly? Yes. Go for it. Big announcement. My favorite thing this week, maybe for a long time, is my Honda Odyssey minivan i'm sorry did you say your honda odyssey yes. minivan <laughs> so took the plunge 
got the minivan. James has been on a search for, <laughs> I don't know, a month of, obs- of really trying to figure out what we were going to do. So anyway, we got a minivan. We got a Honda Odyssey. It's amazing. It drives so nice. It It drives like a luxury car. It really is such a smooth ride. I'm up high. I can see the road. It has all the features. It has um, a beautiful, what's that electronic screen thing called? Like the display? Yeah, Yeah, display. Uh, You can, it has Apple CarPlay, so you can plug your phone in and it will sync with your map, which is so nice because in my Subaru, I have to, you know, hold my phone up to see where I'm going and the phone always falls. So it's really, it's really nice. The, the thing I don't like about it is your texts do come through and I can't seem to figure a way to shut it off. And Siri works so well in the car. The microphones must be advanced in there. So the kids, if I touch the text, which I've learned quickly not to do, (laughs) but they were doing it yesterday. Oh yeah. Yeah. So if, if the text reads you, if the car reads you the text message, the kids can reply. They'll say, oh, yes. And then they'll start talking, even from the way back. And the microphones are picking up on it. So oh, so they get a kick out of doing that. So yesterday they were texting, I love you, Vivian and Willa, or I don't know what. And then, <laughs> like, Alyssa, you're not dying. I don't know what, where that was coming from. I wasn't even in the car. I was, like, running inside to give <laughs> Alyssa money. And they were texting uh, text messages to her. That makes so much more sense now that I know it was the kids. Yeah. Because we were like... Everyone was like, what, Kelly? <laughs> Kelly's series gone crazy. Yeah. So and so anyway, I have probably had at least one or two extra children with me almost daily since I, since I bought the minivan, which has been a lot of fun. So one of the best stories is I was at the school. There's a book program, a summer reading program at the, at the neighborhood school. And we after we had gotten about outside to play on the playground with another family and it got really late the kids were having a blast it was about 12 30 and it was so hot because of course it's been so hot this summer it was probably 90 degrees and she lives quite a ways from the school and she goes oh no i gotta go so walk my kids home they haven't had lunch she was a little worried and i said geez that's too bad and then it dawned on me that I had the van. I had, I think it was the second day I'd owned it. Yeah. And I had all the car seats in, loaded in too because I had just taken a whole slew of kids the day before. So I looked at her and I said, oh, I bought a minivan. <laughs> and she looked at me and she goes, you bought a minivan? I said, yeah. And I have four car seats. I can give you a ride home. And she's like, we were both genuinely so excited about this scenario. So it was it was so funny. And I gave her at home. I felt so good about it. So that's probably my first unintended use of the van. The other day I put a refrigerator, a refrigerator and a stroller, my dog and my kids in the van. No problem. Oh yeah. And lots of room. The thing about the minivan is that I knew I needed three rows of seating. And we went we did I was so anti minivans. Oh my gosh. I feel really bad because I've given countless number of people a hard time about owning a minivan and I had gone to look at three rows of seating the I looked at pilots and I looked at the atlas which is probably the best um so far in terms of the third row being Mm -hmm. a legit row oh and we even looked at the ascents too Mm -hmm. but the thing is is that those cars are more expensive and then you lose your storage which you've already said but I had to come to this conclusion on my own so 
I went with the minivan. And the other thing, too, is some of my friends say, oh, my gosh, Gretchen has so much influence on you. But what people don't understand is they just hear us talking to each other. They yeah. they don't know that I have 10 friends with minivans who always obsessed with me about how much they love their minivans. And my friend Katie, I go in her minivan like every other day with my kids because I don't have it. I can't take us all in one car. So there's been a lot of influence on the minivan. Oh, it's not just me. No, Anyone who has a minivan will tell you that the minivan is the way to go. Yeah. For sure. Exactly. I don't regret it. And even James loves it. And we took Lottie up to Moosehead and we, we went up to Moosehead and we brought all the bikes... We brought all our stuff. There was no limitation on space. We could bring anything we wanted up there. We had all our bags and coolers and everything. And we brought the dog's bed. <laughs> and we put her bed in there. And she was sprawled out. And the, the van has charging ports um, for tablets, which, speaking of radiation, <laughs> that's really nice. But anyway, so it's it's so equipped for travel. So even James said, yeah, I'm really glad we went with the minivan. It's not cute, but it's super functional. I think it's beautiful. I think it's a luxurious, beautiful, <laughs> lovely vehicle, and it's wonderful. And uh, yes, I was very surprised to see. I got a, I got a text of a picture of James in the minivan, and I was like, "Is this a test drive? What is this? What's going on?" And Kelly was at a meeting, and apparently, it screwed up Kelly's big plan to reveal the yeah. minivan to me. James went and picks up the minivan. Goes and picks up the minivan. Drives through the whole neighborhood. I'm getting, I'm at, I'm trying to solve the state's heroin epidemic. In the meantime, James, I'm getting, my watch and my phone are blowing up with pictures of James visiting the neighbors in the minivan. He stole all my thunder. He came to our house, pulled up. Stole all my thunder. Oh, well. But it's okay. But you get the thunder for the rest of the time. That's right. Because now you get to roll up. But isn't it nice to be able, like, that's one of the things, that was one of the tipping points when I bought mine, was a similar playground situation. I had an Outback and there was a mom and kid in it, and I was like, I, I don't I don't have room. I'm so sorry. Like, I wish I could take you. And I was like, I don't like I hated leaving her. Yeah. And so that was one of the motivations. I wanted to have room to take people. So I definitely in my van's running fine. We have it all loaded up for going camping this week. And you talk about loading a lot of stuff in. Mm-hmm. And we'll take a lot of stuff. It's wonderful. And when I take my next trip to Whole Foods. Oh, my God. See, because James, whenever we go down, he said, we always have a storage capacity issue because the Subaru is really not that big. Right. And once we, we, we're usually traveling down. I don't just drive down there to go to Whole right. Foods. I want to clarify that for people. Yes. <laughs> I got some crap for that the other day. I was like, are you kidding me? I don't just drive down to grocery shop at Whole Foods. I'm going there either on a trip for and some other reason. And when people go to Portland from here, it's default that when you go to Portland, you put out a, a call like, hey, I'm going to Portland. I'm going to stop at Whole Foods and Trader Joe's. Does anybody need anything? Right. I pick up stuff for other people all the time. So, Ikea, when I do our Ikea pilgrimage, it's 95% other people's stuff at this point, but it's a fun day trip. I want to go to Ikea, too. Think of what I could buy at Ikea. I know what you can buy I'm at Ikea. Many, man. You take out every seat, and you can buy literally anything in the store. <laughs> it is crazy. The seats, and just with the one little click of a button, they just go down into the floor, and then it just makes a completely flat surface. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. And the kids can do it. That's how simple it is. Yeah. Anyway minivan so my favorite thing is lottie oh (laughs) she's so sweet and because kelly and i haven't seen each other in like two weeks it's been crazy and i was and dave and i went for dinner and there was this dog there that was a husky golden retriever mix Mm -hmm. so like a golden but it had the light blue eyes and so we were talking about dogs and i was like you know 
Lottie is the only dog because I will tell you I'm not a dog person yeah. and Dave wants to at some point Dave's like I don't want to live my whole life without ever having a dog and I'm like well good luck because I don't want a damn dog yeah dogs are a lot of work and I was like you know Lottie's the dog that has made me like yeah soften my position and he's like really and I was like yeah he's like why I'm like we go for walks in the morning and like today I was like Lottie yeah. and we walk and so Kelly and I will meet up at like the park and when Lottie sees me she lets her off the leash and Lottie like races it's like in a movie and yeah. she runs across the park and runs right up to me and doesn't jump on me or anything but just runs up and then I give her all kinds of scratches and and yeah. uh you know love on her a little bit and then she walks with us and she's so good and so Lottie is I'm like well maybe we can have a golden doodle someday oh my gosh so I, it won't be anytime soon because we have cats that don't like dogs so I highly recommend her recommend that breed she's just the best dog ever and she does she so and the, the thing about today is that I hadn't seen Gretchen in a really a long time, but I also go walking with my brother and his girlfriend. And there's also people out walking all the time in our neighborhood. And especially today, because we went later than usual. Exactly. And so she knows. She knows Gretchen and she knows From a distance. Sean and Kara. She knows and and there are people today specifically, there are people behind Gretchen because I met Gretchen at the park today. So there were two other people out walking dogs. And she didn't even go try to chase those dogs. She just ran right to Gretchen. Like, she knew that she it was Gretchen. Yeah. So that's what I think is so... And and she's so lovable. She'll snuggle. Like, a lot of dogs don't want to do that. And she's so good. I mean, she's just smart. Like, very minimal training. And she's just a very good dog. She doesn't jump on people. She doesn't lick. She doesn't chew. She doesn't eat anything. She doesn't eat shoes or chew on things. She's not a food um, beggar. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I know this is your favorite thing. No, I know, but, but she's one of my favorite things. Of course, too. she is. <laughs> but it's so funny because we, when we got our cats from the shelter, like the thing was that you know it was like great with kids, can't be in a house with dogs. They because they like apparently were terrorizing the dog at their previous home. Yeah, and they've been totally fine. So I was like, oh, this is the perfect house for them because we're never getting a damn dog. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and now I'm like, maybe we'll get a dog when the cats are gone. Yeah. It'll be our empty nester thing. He, she, I brought Lottie over to your house, and she wanted to chase your cats so badly oh yeah oh yeah well apparently our cats would chase the dog at their previous home like it wasn't that the dogs chase the cats that they would chase the dog and and you know and our cats are really pretty pretty mellow so well we had in college i had two cats and james had duke and then my roommate was supposed to take the cats she had a bad breakup i ended up with the cats about a year or two after james and i lived together so the dog and the cats had never lived together and so when the cats came it was crazy the cats would pin the dog in yeah. and growl and hiss and it was such a nightmare and i never thought they would coexist and i don't know years into it you'd find them all snuggling in a bed together <laughs> so they thought they did eventually learn yeah. oh okay we're all family but the cat particularly my one cat bernie he was in charge yeah he was like Duke, don't do that. I will bat you with my five paw. <laughs> yeah, the thumb, the thumb paw. <laughs> Stare him down. Like, I'm in charge. I don't care if you're a hundred times bigger than me. I'm the one in charge. Got it, dude. So, <laughs> anyway. anyway. That's my favorite thing because I realized I was actually, like, missing Lottie because I hadn't seen Aww, you in so long. She's so sweet. I know. <sighs> All right. So, that's going to do it for this week. And we are working on some guests for our future episodes now that we're sort of done with our travel. And... You can always find us on Facebook and 
answer any questions if you want to see my Vitamix I'll put a picture up and we are going to have a smoothie <laughs> off and I'll make sure to put up a the results of that to see how it goes and you can also like us on Facebook uh, like us on Facebook or Twitter Instagram you can leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher or tell a friend and if you have any questions or anything you can always email us at balancingchaospodcast at gmail.com so until next week have a great week bye bye